The following is a member of the Burke Reviews podcast family. BurkeReviews.com Hey everybody, welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me this week, as always, Corey Starr. Hello, hello, and Max is here. And Max, <laughs> the cat, is in the hizzy. Um, well, Corey's hizzy. And we will be <laughs> uh, discussing Kramer vs. Kramer in our last uh, movie for the month of March, um, which was our Best Picture winners that we'd never seen. So we're going to be moving to a new topic next month. Um, which I will make sure to have ready for that time of the episode when we talk about it. But, uh, Corey, how you been? You know, it's Thursday. It's almost Friday. It's it's good. It's fine. Mm. How about you? I've I've had a pretty good week. You know, I've been on spring break. Yes. Um, I had some tough stuff happen earlier in the week, but uh, I won't talk about those details. But I did have um, some delicious sushi today. Um, my daughter and I went to our favorite sushi place and we had, uh, lunch with a friend that I hadn't, I saw last week for the first time in a long time, but, um, her boyfriend and, uh, her joined us for, for lunch today and we had a good little lunch. We ended up talking for a long time though. My daughter, I think got a little bored after about an hour and a half of us just talking about like everything. So, but we got some good sushi. She got, I let her pick pretty much whatever she wanted. So she spent like $20 on sushi, which isn't too bad. But still, with two of us eating about the same amount of sushi. Because that kid can eat some sushi. Like, that is no joke. Um, I, I have a she, sushi story to tell you after you're done. Ah, well, I'd like to hear it. She, uh, she's gotten really good about it. Like, where she doesn't just get, like, the California. Like, she gets... Um, she did get a California, I think, but she also got a scorpion, which is one of her favorite roles. But Ooh, then that's... she gets, uh, um, what, tuna sashimi and, uh, white fish. She got white fish sushi, so that's just the fish on the rice. Um, but yeah, like, she, she's pretty, pretty awesome about sushi. And she loves miso soup, so has to have the miso soup with her food. So. Mm, I get miso soup, too. And Bill and I went for sushi. There's a delicious little place that is literally, like, two blocks from our house, Oh. Yeah, and their food is so delicious. But I have to go in and be like two rolls for myself because I went ham and it was a million dollars. Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. It can get it can get pretty crazy pretty quickly. And I also um, have to have miso soup. Yeah, the miso soup's not expensive. That's like no. 2 bucks and yeah. if you get like a and some of the meals come with it and things like that, but yeah, it does add up pretty quick, but um I saw a bunch of movies this week, though, uh, as I normally will when I'm on vacation. Um, and I think we'll get into those. Uh, so, unless you have any other stories you want to share. No. Oh, Corey. Okay, then let's start <laughs> with know. you. What have you been watching this week? Okay, you're going to be proud. Mm. <laughs> okay. Um, so, I watched Up because mm-hmm. I like to cry, and I just really love that movie so much. Up and I had it seen it in such a long time it might be my favorite pixar film but i need to go wow. back and rewatch a couple yeah and i do love toy story nobody even knows yeah. how much i love toy story and i love wally i love a lot of them but there's something about up and just that love story that just punches me in the guts um yeah i rewatch welcome to me 
with my girl Kristen Wig and my boy Wes Bentley and mm-hmm. like everybody else. Oh, okay. Is that with... the one where she goes home? No. no. So this is the one where she is crazy and okay. she wins the lottery. Oh. She wins like 55 million or something like that. And she's like on disability because she's, you know. And all of these things. So she just goes ham with the money, but not in the way that you would think. She decides to make a show about herself on a local broadcast channel. Oh, okay. And, yeah, it's really entertaining. I love it a lot. And oh, I also went to The Flicks. Oh. Not last night. It was Tuesday night. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, I counted the chairs. We were in the biggest theater. And I'm short, but I like to put my feet on the back of the seats in front of me if nobody's sitting in them. And I discovered you can't do that at the flicks. But I was in the biggest theater. They only have four screening rooms. And the biggest theater has 144 chairs. Oh. So it's like, it's an okay size theater. But, you know. And also, I do have a little story. We have an ice cream. I love ice cream. We have an ice Uh cream shop called Still um, in downtown. And they have booze-infused ice cream. Oh, I didn't actually have the booze infused ice cream, but I did have like a lavender huckleberry and there was one called afternoon special, (laughs) but it's like Nutella and pretzels. Oh, (laughs) like the best ice cream I've ever had. I'm sorry, Ben and Jerry's. I'm going to quit you. (laughs) But so that was my story. I had lots of carbs that day and I got to see thoroughbreds finally. There I was like, I was waiting for the class. So why did you count the seats though? Because Um, I was like, this is the biggest theater and I talked so badly about the theater um i kind of feel bad for them because a hotel like went in right in their parking lot pretty much so nobody unless you're local you don't know that they're there anymore there was like nobody in there there were maybe like 15 or 20 of us um i got to sit in the back of the theater i just always talk crap about how small it is and i mean if that's the biggest theater i feel like that kind of gives you an idea got it i wasn't sure if you were counting to tell me that it was packed or that you guys were the only ones in there um so i was you know just i talked so so much mad whatever but the crowd wasn't bad and the movie was freaking hilarious and thankfully we weren't the only ones laughing so that was a good time yeah i really enjoyed that movie i didn't write a review about it because uh big tuna had written one for our site already and i i kind of had similar opinions so i was like well i don't know if i'm going to add anything by writing another review, so I just didn't. But I really did like it a whole lot, and, and um, very sad to see Anton. But at the same time, he's still excellent. He, yeah, yeah he's, he's so great. So good. Um, I love like that he's an entrepreneur. Entrepreneur. I always have a hard mm. time with that word. But you know, it I'm sounds doing... like you're saying Trumpreneur. Like entrepreneur. Entrepreneur. There, what John said. Um, but I just it was so funny. Um, but this is the second movie at least i haven't there were a couple that have been released in between that i haven't had a chance to see but we're at the end in memory of anton yelchin and i'll be fine the whole movie mm. and then that comes on and i'm just like uh you know well, and i i loved olivia cook and uh, anya taylor joy as well i thought they were amazing um in the movie and just oh man olivia cook I... is i'm so excited for her because I loved her Mean Earl and the Dying Girl, but yes. I, I got to see a movie that I don't think anyone else, unless you saw it at a festival, will get to see. And it's called Katie Says Goodbye. 
and she's so great in that movie and no one's going to get to see it because it just won't get distribution it's a really challenging subject matter because she is um living with her mother who is messed up and doesn't like take care of her she's an adult but um she's kind of she works at a restaurant but she's also prostituting herself but not in a traditional way like she's not like on a corner like guys just know that if they pay her she'll sleep with them because she needs money because she's trying to escape the crappy life she's living in by putting herself in a worse situation and it's it's so interesting of a movie and it's it's just i I guess it just isn't appealing like it doesn't look like it's going to get a large audience or whatever the case is it just last i'd heard it still hadn't found distribution and it's a shame because she's tremendous in it and then uh she's in thoroughbreds and she's excellent she's also in a movie i saw this week um ready player one which i'll get to momentarily but uh did you see anything else i I saw saw a lot yeah i felt like i saw another one but that's all i can remember and i watched this so i keep stressing to use the let to use letterboxes it makes it so easy i know um i saw a screener from south by southwest and i've not posted my review just yet i do have it written i'm waiting for my uh my editor to proof it for us but um it's a film called a bluebird in my heart um it's a good movie it's not an excellent movie or an amazing movie it's not one i don't know uh, how soon it's getting distribution but it did premiere at south by i had a screener for it so i finally sat and watched it i enjoyed it it just wasn't anything revolutionary um uh, kind of, I don't want to say it reminds me of Leon the Professional because it's not the same, but there is a dynamic that is similar to a degree. Um, like a bond is struck between a criminal and a young girl, not as young as Natalie Portman was in Leon the Professional, but um, I don't know. There was something about maybe the performance that reminded me of uh, Jean Reno, and um, but I, I liked it well enough. Um, then I went and saw Love Simon on Sunday. Mm-hmm really liked love simon a whole lot um really really good uh romantic comedy um i thought there was a lot of great stuff and i thought the performances were really good um i don't usually like jennifer garner and she doesn't have a big role because she plays simon's mother and she's she's just in a few scenes but it was the least obnoxious i think i can remember her being in a movie where like i found her more than tolerable which i, I usually just want her to leave um, oh no i yeah see- I love her in Juno. I liked her in 13 Going on 30. I haven't seen that movie in a long time, but I enjoyed I like it. Juno. But she's a one-trick pony. I mean, yes. I think we all know that, but you know what I mean? I'm not but, like, and oh, that's God, the thing, I think on her. In Love, Simon, she was um, different. She wasn't oh. as... She was more, like, together and not... She was... I think she played a therapist. Um, like, her, like it's his mother, but she's a therapist. And so she was kind of more, like attuned to everything and didn't seem as because she's a little spastic you know like is he like she's high maintenance and and a little bit like on edge she seemed way more laid back in this in this than uh i've seen before and i think i don't know if it was josh duhamel or timothy oliphant that played the dad i I always get those two confused and i never looked to see which one was which but whichever one it is i thought he did a pretty good job as as the dad as well um they have small parts so they're not a major role but there's some good moments with them in it um, then we stayed after I saw Love Simon and I went and saw Unsane, the new Steven Soderbergh film. Um, I really liked that a whole lot. It's all shot on an iPhone seven, um, oh. which is interesting. It's, uh, I've still not seen Tangerine from Sean Baker, but I plan to see that this year, um, which was all shot on iPhone five S's, but I know Baker used a lens kit that went on the phone and he also used a Steadicam. And used an app called Filmic Pro that allows you to shoot at 24 frames per second, which is the traditional film ratio or film speed. And um, 
I don't know if Soderbergh used any other attachments or if it was just the 7 camera. I just know he used an iPhone 7. But uh, the cinematography is really compelling. I thought it worked really well for the story that's being told. It is a straight horror film by the end. It's a suspense thriller for the first half, though. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, definitely a little misleading in the trailer, but severely enjoyable. Uh, then, that was Sunday, so I said I love Summer Unsane. On Monday, uh, my daughter, myself, and um, our editor, David, uh, took a ride out to uh, Orlando, like way out into kind of the middle of nowhere. I've never been to the theater. And friend of the show, Big Tuna, and uh, Brendan were also there. Um, just on we accident, went... or just like not by design? Oh, actually, we all knew it existed because of Big Tuna. Um, Big Tuna messaged me and Brendan that there was a screening of Isle of Dogs. And so we had to sign up, and we all got tickets. And uh, so we went and watched Isle of Dogs, had a blast. I think all of us loved it. I don't think anyone was disappointed. Um, now, there is some controversy out there about the appropriation and, and how Anderson handles the Japanese characters. And I can see the I points that are that being made. I knew that was coming. I can see their points, though. They, they make some valid points, but as an Anderson film, I enjoyed much of it. Um, it's quirky. Uh, I, I was really attached to the character Chief, which was Brian Cranston's voice character, and I honestly think it's Brian Cranston's best performance in a film, um, uh-huh. which, you know, I, I mean, I loved him in Breaking Bad, but I really think this is his best performance. Um, it's it's actually kind of tame and nuanced, which is not a thing he does very often. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, if you, when Isle of Dogs gets anywhere near any of the listeners, if you're an Anderson fan especially, highly recommend. Um, and my review is up for... No, it's not. It'll be up today. Um, oh, well, it'll be up by the time you hear this, actually, so never mind. Um, then a uh, big thing happened on Tuesday. Oh. Star Wars The Last Jedi came out. So I went early in the morning and bought uh, my eight, 4K Blu-ray copy. You and have a 4K TV? I have a 4K Blu-ray player. Do not have a 4K TV yet. Do you need both to get the 4K? You know what yes. I mean? I don't know yes, a lot about do. electronics listeners. You do, but but mm-hmm. it's an investment that I'm willing to make for a movie like Star Wars The Last Jedi. That's so gorgeous. Same thing, I bought uh, Blade Runner 2049 digital 4K because <sighs> it's a gorgeous film and I know it'll pay off to ha- own it that way. Mm-hmm. What the heck is that? I don't know what that sound was. Did you hear that? No. Oh, Okay. I, I mean, I like, you know, like, side-heavy. Oh, I don't no, understand. We need to go back a minute. We need to go back a minute because okay. I've already, like, complained about this. But my theater is still playing The Greatest Showman. And it's yeah. still playing Fifty Shades Freed or whatever the last uh, abomination. Our theater is playing Jumanji. And Jumanji's on Blu-ray. Jesus. Like, well, Jumanji's why, out on Blu-ray. Why aren't they playing Isle of Dogs? Mm. I have They haven't. It's a Fox Searchlight picture, which is their uh, indie division, and they just haven't pushed it out that many screens yet. They're they're kind of testing to see how many screens that they should invest in. Just give us the movies. Well, so uh, my daughter, uh, who was had already seen Last Jedi twice in the theater, insisted that we all watch Last Jedi, so we watched it that night, Tuesday night, and I loved it again. Thought it was still great. I had a blast watching it. Then yesterday, I watched the movie we're going to be reviewing in a few minutes, Kramer vs. Kramer. But at night, I got to go see with my friends uh, Ryan, who writes for the site on occasion, and David, um, who is the editor. We went and saw Ready Player One. And I got to tell you, Corey, uh-huh. there's a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff in that movie. Yes. There's one scene. I'm not going to say it. I, I refuse to spoil it for anybody. I didn't talk about it in my review. And I haven't told Taylor. And I'm not going to tell you. But it's a scene that I know you will have such a blast with. 
that even if you don't like the rest of the movie, I think that one sequence will make you love it. Is it Ducky? I'm not going to ever tell you. I'm not going to ever tell you, but it's amazing. And I, I have to like, there's flaws. There are tons of flaws with some of the way the story plays out. And there's little things that may or may not bother uh, a general audience. But I think definitely critics are going to nitpick. And I did uh, for some story elements that I feel like were rushed. And there were story elements that I don't think needed to be there. And the movie is two hours and 20 minutes. And it, it feels like it needs another 20 minutes to do everything it's trying to do. And that's bad. Um, maybe it could have been two movies, maybe two shorter movies. Uh, but I got to say, I, Olivia Cook is in Ready Player One, thought she was fantastic. Uh, Ty Sheridan, who is in Mud, uh, which is where I first thought he was a really good actor. I, I like him. I don't think he's perfect. Uh, he has this weird thing with his mouth where he like he always looks like he's kind of in a duck face, but his mouth is like slightly open. <laughs> that It, it always kind of looks like he's unsure of stuff, but um, it works. And Simon Pegg is in Ready Player One, and Mark Rylance is in Ready Player One, and Oh, I, I thought both him. of them did excellent. And I don't think I'd ever heard Simon Pegg do an American accent. You know, he, he's never hit his accent before. And he does in this movie. And he does a terrific job. I was really impressed. Because um, when he started talking, I'm like, wait a minute. He doesn't have an accent. Like, I've seen, I'm pretty sure I've seen like 75 to 80% of Simon Pegg's movies. And I don't remember him ever hiding his accent. Maybe going more Scottish or like, you know, than he, because normally he sounds more British to me than Scottish but like in the Star Trek movies he really goes all in on the Scottish accent and um I do believe that is what his accent is I think it is Scottish but um but uh I I had a blast with Ready Player One there's some scenes there's so many references I mean it's it's which we knew going in but there's more than I was expecting even and some that are so obscure that like I think most people won't know what they are like I barely knew one there's a video game called Overwatch that's really really popular right Mm -hmm. When Overwatch came out, another game came out um, that was almost exactly the same called Battleborn. And oh. most people have never played Battleborn or know it exists because Overwatch won. Like, they came out, they're the same style of game. Uh, Blizzard made Overwatch, uh, the, I'm going to forget the name of the company, but the company that, that made Blizzard Borderlands. Name? Blizzard is huge. The company that made Borderlands made Battleborn. And Borderlands is a great game series. I cannot think of their name right. Gearbox? I think. them. They do, but... Battleborn did not do well. Like I bought Battleborn for ten bucks, like a year Dang. ago, and um, but one of the characters from that shows up in Ready Player One, and I was like, really? Like uh, no one's gonna recognize that, like unless you happen to be one of the few people who bought Battleborn. Um, but yeah, I I had a blast with the movie. Um, Brendan texted me right after he got out, and he loved it more than he was expecting. Big Tuna gave it five stars. Um, I, I went four stars. So like it did for me, it works for like the not quite golden range. Um, but th- there are two sequences in this movie though. One you've seen in the trailer, which is the race sequence with the DeLorean. That sequence is nuts. And I loved it. The other sequence, I will not tell you, but oh my God, it's, I was clapping like so excitedly while it was happening. Cause I was loving every second of it so, so much. And I know you and Taylor are both going to love it. And I, I can't wait. I'm actually, Taylor and I are going to see it again tomorrow. Uh, well, she hasn't seen it. I'm taking her to go see it because I want to see it again because I had a fun time with the movie. Um, even though it's two hours and 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. You'll be like, this is a good place to go to the bathroom. You need to go I will say, your legs. It actually, though, the two hours and 20 minutes goes by pretty pretty smoothly. Like, I didn't, it didn't feel like two hours and 20 minutes. And keeping in mind that my theater does like 18 minutes of trailers. Um, so it's like two hours and 40 minutes for everything. Ugh. 
Although they were all new trailers yesterday for me, so that was exciting. So I got to see the new, uh, the Grindelwald, the new Harry Potter based Wizarding World movie, uh, with Jude Law as young Dumbledore, which looks really good to me. Um, I hope it is because I wasn't as big a fan of Fantastic Beasts as some other people. I had a lot um, of fun in that movie. The Infinity War trailer up like on the big screen I hadn't seen yet, which was exciting because I cannot wait for that movie. It's less than a month away. Um, there's a new Jack Black movie that's an Amblin. Amblin is a Steven Spielberg uh, production company. Oh yeah. Um, called uh, the Clock in the Walls, or a Clock in the Wall, something like that. It's a horrible name, but the movie looks interesting. It has like a Goosebumps kind of vibe to it. Um, and that might. It's not just because of Jack Black. Like some of the. It's like a silly a kid horror movie with a clock in ha- its walls. That's what it is. A house with a clock. It's it's the most on the nose name of a movie like possible, because that is a big part of the premise. Is like they keep going like there's a clock in the walls. I was like, what the heck is this movie about? But it looks interesting. Um, and there, there was one more that looked... Oh, it's directed by Eli Roth. I did not know that. Holy crap, really? Because yeah, it looks very kid-friendly. John Bellairs. What well, the did heck? It, he, well, who was the director that you guys were talking about last week that you forget? No. It's no, not... that's Robert Rodriguez. It's Rodriguez. Okay, yeah, sorry. No, 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 not the same guy. Not oh all. my god, Bear oh, Jew. <laughs> Eli Roth was the bear Jew in, in, in Glorious Bastards, but he directed uh, Green Inferno, the cannibal movie from a couple years ago. I didn't he see that. Recently, he recently directed <laughs> the uh, horrible Death Wish film that I gave a uh, Avoid Like the Plague rating, um, primarily because of Bruce Willis, though, not necessarily because of Roth. He got his big claim to fame from Hostel that uh, Tarantino um, you know, put out there. as like, yeah, go see Hostel, uh, which was at the same time of Saw, and it definitely felt like it was because of Saw. It was like torture porn type of movie which is what roth is roth is known for his gore um that's kind of his mo so he's never staying in a hostel ever i don't care where i i mean that movie yeah i never saw hostel but i know enough about it um yeah and the idea of hostels freaked me out anyways i don't like all strangers yeah no we're sharing a bathroom heck no Uh with that i think that's everything we've watched this week um actually i one one last thing i did finish uh end of the effing world on netflix it's a TV series with um, Jesse Barden, I think that's her name, um, and I don't know the, the young boy's name. It's a really weird kind of Bonnie and Clyde inspired, um, like, British teen, I think you'd call it a sitcom, because it's definitely funny. Um, it's it's pretty interesting. Uh, I recommend it. Um, I had a good time with it. I was surprised to find out my daughter had already watched it, um, and she really liked it. And I'm a fan of the actress because she was in a film called The New Romantic that I saw at South By. And, um, yeah, she's she's definitely an up-and-comer. And, in- interestingly enough, if you're an Instagram person, uh, she was recently um, sharing photos with uh, Chronic Flowers on Instagram, who is Haley in The Florida Project, the mom of uh, Brooklyn Prince's character. And so I was like, oh, apparently they know each other. So I thought that was kind of interesting. But That's awesome. Yeah, I guess so. It's kind of nerdy that I, I knew that, but I couldn't help but notice. I was like, well, that's that's a cool thing. Because I don't think Jesse's been in an A24 film, but I could be wrong. Um, but, yeah, she might have just been a big fan of Florida Project and was like, hey, I want to hang out with that person. That's what I would do if I were famous. Why or, not? Yeah, I'd be like, hey, Make let's connections. be friends. That's what I'm hoping to do. You know, Alejandro's my boy now, so. <laughs> Hi, Alejandro. 
Yes, I, I hope you're listening. So I feel um, like I say that so white, and I apologize. Oh, man. Um, well, actually, though, while before we get into our review, I do want to... One other thing I did watch this week was a short film that Alejandro just released on YouTube, and I do want to plug that real quick. If I, I want to make sure I say the right name. Um, it uh, I really liked it, and he is... I got to give a little bit of props, because he... Um, I don't want to spoil the story, because it's, it's, you can watch it right now for free on YouTube. Um, and it's, it's only five minutes, so it won't take that long. It's called The Threesome. The Threesome. If you look up, you can go to Alejandro Montoya Marin on YouTube or look up The Threesome and look for him. That's whose channel it belongs to. Um, I referred to one of the characters as uh, they. the best way to describe them would be hashtag savage. And so he is quoting me on that and just says <laughs> savage, Um But it's it's a like a five minute short he wrote it on a friday cast it on a saturday filmed it on a sunday right before he went to south by to premiere his feature length film monday that we got to see and um he just released it uh yesterday i believe and it's it's great um it's really funny it's it's very like well written well edited it's it's definitely um i love seeing great shorts coming out on youtube because youtube for a long time when it first got popular, it bothered me because it was just people yelling at the cameras on their computers, and I could not see why people were watching it. Um, when there's quality stuff like this being put out on YouTube where it's free to watch, and it's well-crafted and well-written, and it's definitely, you see a director um, honing their skills, you know, fine-tuning and, and testing out things that they're working on. It's, to me, like what the power of YouTube can be, like for filmmakers to get their work out there for people to see. So I highly recommend it's so uh, checking it out. It's right there. It's a yeah, search I away. Love... And in fact, I'll, I'll link it on the show notes for this episode too. So if you want to go uh, to BerkReviews.com, there will be a link in the, the show notes for this episode. You can click on and uh, go right to watch his video because um, it's part of what I watched this week. I literally, I watched it yesterday. Um, he, he sent it to me. He's like, hey, would you be interested in watching this? I'm like, uh, yeah, sure. Why wouldn't I be? I've, I've enjoyed it. The other shorts that he's shown me and I love the... I loved a lot of the, the feature. I won't like my reviews up on Monday. So I had some issues with a few things, but knowing how it was made now, a lot of my issues are unfair. Uh, but you know, um, that's going to be revealed if you were keeping up with, Oh, that's the other thing I watched this week. I almost forgot. And I definitely want to plug this. Alejandro is part of five directors that were chosen by Robert Rodriguez to, uh, be a, on a TV show called rebel without a crew, the series. And that is available to watch for free online at go90.com, um, which apparently has a lot of different TV stuff you can watch for free, and right. it is completely free, and it's it's pretty cool. I've watched both episodes, and I was, I gotta say, episode two, I was so invested in what was happening, and when it ended, I couldn't believe 20 minutes had gone by, because it's a 20-minute episode with no commercials. Oh. And I think there might be a commercial at the beginning of the whole thing, but I don't remember any commercials after that. So, very, very easy to watch. And the 20 minutes ended, and I was like, no! And I have to wait till Monday for the third episode, and I'm I'm kind of disappointed because I was ready to. I, if it was bingeable, I'd have binged it in like a day and a half because it is really compelling. Um, it, the thing I like the most about it is that the five filmmakers are not put up against each other. It's not a competition. They all get to make their movie. They're they're there. They all get the same equipment. It's not like one of those cooking shows where like everyone's going to get one thing, but you can screw over this one guy and steal his camera. Like everyone gets the same opportunities to have the equipment. They do have a budget and they have to make those budgetary choices. But again, there's no competition. Everyone's there to make the movie. Um, the there's rules and things that they have to follow, but there's nothing like there's no pitting them against each other or anything like that. And so I think that's one of the things I find most compelling because it's not, you're not watching five people try to sap, you know, um, 
sabotage each other or or screw each other over you're watching five people who all have a similar dream and are willing to help each other and guide each other to achieve that dream and it's man it's what filmmaking to me is supposed to be you know just people who love the process who love the art and want to express themselves and i mean sure we all want to make some money doing what we love right so it's not wrong that they're trying to make it in the industry um that's how you get to keep doing what you love yeah, exactly. You got to be able to pay the bills. Um, and man, I, I can't, I highly recommend that show. So I'm sorry. I went a little longer than I intended with the, uh, what we watched, but I remembered those shows no. that I've been kind of fitting in throughout the week. So, all right. I think with that, we're ready to review the movie of the week. Kramer versus Kramer from 1979, the best picture winner from 1980. Um, a movie that I've heard about for a long, long time directed by Robert Benton. Uh, starring Dustin Hoffman, Meryl Streep, Jane Alexander, uh, Justin Henry, um, Howard Duff, which I think is the lawyer. Uh, that's pretty much all the people that are like necessary, I think. Because your real, your real star is going to be Dustin Hoffman and um, the young boy Billy, who is played by Justin Henry. I don't know if he's done anything since then. Oh, he was in 16 Candles. He's Mike Baker in 16 Candles. What? Holy cow. I did not know that. Um, that is crazy. That's the guy, right? Like, that's the guy that she's in love with? Um, I'm... I mean, I could be wrong, but man, like... Uh... uh Corey doesn't know either? <laughs> yeah, well, 16 Candles is not my favorite. Ah. It's good, but it's not my favorite. <laughs> not that's... even... Ducky... You know, even though I love Anthony Michael Hall, and I always say his name backwards, but I'm pretty sure that's right. Um, I think you were right. No, I don't think... No, he's not the main guy that she's in love with. It looks like he might have been, like, the little brother or something. Oh, yeah. That actually makes a lot of sense. I can kind of picture that. I was thinking it was too close in age to to be that guy, but... um, All right, well, real quick, let's read the uh, plot summary. Ted Kramer's wife leaves her husband... um, Leaves him... Man, this is written poorly. Allowing for a lost bond to be rediscovered between Ted and his son, Billy. But a heated custody battle ensues over the divorced couple's son, deepening the wounds left by the separation. I gotta say, one, I thought the divorce was gonna be, like, the whole movie. (gasps) Me too! And I was like, this is gonna be boring. And it wasn't that at all. No, the divorce is, like, the third act. And, um, not hardly any screen. Like, I was expecting kind of a procedural and it was not that it was more about um him learning to be a single father and trying to you know one i mean there's uh we'll we'll get into a lot of it in spoilers because i'm sure most of it is spoiler ish but uh it has a 77 meta score which is only out of nine critic reviews and a 7.8 imdb user score um i don't know robert benton as a director let me see if he's done anything else that i've seen well he's definitely written some stuff i'm familiar with um he directed um, Billy Bathgate I'm familiar with but not really yeah no I haven't seen most of the movies he's directed but I think I saw a big one on his writing credits um, he wrote uh, Bonnie and Clyde 1967 with Warren Beatty and uh, Faye Dunaway and that was a movie I saw on my list to watch I bought like a year ago and have not had a chance to watch it but so he's had a he's had two big movies it looks like and everything else has been not as well known, at least not looking at his credits, but um, yeah, uh, Kramer versus Kramer, Corey, what are your initial thoughts? Uh, pretty much, I was just really glad that it was not just the whole court case. Um, I 
need to see more Dustin Hoffman films mm. and also Meryl Streep. I and I always feel like when I'm thinking about important actors, I'm like, oh my god, I haven't seen any of their movies. And then I look at their, you know, credits, and I'm like, oh. And you've seen like twenty, but like I haven't seen The Graduate. I have. And I really want to see that. I haven't see. seen um, Tootsie, and I really want to see oh. that. And... I have not seen that. I do have access to it because I bought it for work. Like oh. through work, work bought it because um, uh-huh. it's on it's on a lot of people's list of movies that you have to see. Um, and I have not got to watch it nor teach it just yet. But uh, yeah, that's on my my list as well. So um, I I enjoyed it. God, he's been acting for so long. Yeah, uh, dude, he's been friends with Gene Hackman. I was reading his facts. And uh, he's been friends with Gene Hackman since, like, 1956 or something, since he was, like, 19 years old. Well, now, I saw Rain Man in the theater. I um, didn't see it in theaters, but I did see it. I mean, I was far too young, but I did see it in the theater. Um, didn't fully understand it, and I've been actually wanting to rewatch it, because I think I would get more from it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, Meryl Streep, I've seen a lot of her modern stuff. I don't think I've seen any of her pre ninety movies, um, and I'm not. I think the first time I became aware of her was Devil Wears Prada, which is sad. Like I've I'm saying that, that now. Movie. Really, it's actually yeah. really good. But um, I uh, I think that was the first time I was like very much like I'd heard the name or whatever, but I think that was the first time like I knew I was watching a Meryl Streep. It's not even really her movie. It's really Anne Hathaway's movie, but that she was like a major point. Yeah, and. Um, I've seen several of her modern things. Like I, I think I skipped Ricky and the Flash, but I saw, I think I've seen most of the other films she's in. I loved her in the Post this year. Um, I am I am one of the few people that I've heard say they like uh, Into the Woods, but I like Into the Woods. And oh, that's right, she was in Suffragette. Uh, yes, but very very small part in Suffragette. Um, like super small part. She shows up for like one scene. She's like the the woman that everyone looks up to, oh. but she's not really in the movie. Mm-hmm. I haven't. Um, seen fantastic mr fox i know you have too and yes. julie and julia yes i love julie and julia in fact um big like fan of that movie long. really <laughs> yeah. um i i didn't notice that it might have maybe i did notice and it's just been too long um we've both talked about this we need to just watch the hours yes the hours is highly on my list of movies to see um, I really want to see Manhattan, which is a Woody Allen film that she stars in, and I owned. I just have not oh, watched. She just creeps me out. I know, I know, but I really liked um, Annie Hall. Ah, I and this movie is one of my most shamed gap movies. Is the, the Deer, Deer Hunter. Hunter? I haven't seen yeah. it either, but isn't it like twenty seven hours long? Really, I think it's is like it? two and a half or three. Or two, something. yeah, three. Oh my god, three, three hours, hours and three minutes. minutes. So it is yeah. practically twenty seven. Yes, okay. but it's 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 a movie that we all need to oh, see. It has apparently, Robert De Niro. And uh, Christopher Walken. Um, oh, jeez. Yeah, I've never seen Sophie's Choice, which sounds like a really, really hard movie to watch, uh, which is why I've not gone to it. But um, And then uh, uh, I know she's got another couple that I have been meaning to see. Um, I think I saw Postcards from the Edge, actually, now that I'm looking at that one. Death Becomes Her I saw when I was a kid. Um, uh, man, she's in so many movies. Yes. I don't think I could ever watch Bridges of Madison County. That's I saw so that boring. one in theaters, and I... Love my grandmother, but I didn't like her that day because she took ah. me to this movie. And my so my grandmother is how I got to see a lot of inappropriate movies. Not saying that Bridges of Madison County really is, but mm-hmm. you know, like I still think that cheating is wrong and everything. But I just remember having that very black and white 
Mm-hmm. Like, how are you watching this movie? How can you even like them? They're horrible people. Like, I was just, my, I don't know, my sense of whatever. Right and wrong. Was well, just, I, I want to see AI, because um, that's a Steven Spielberg film. It's a Stanley Kubrick script. Um, oh, dang. Uh, adaptation I want to see really bad, because that's Charlie Kaufman um, and Nicolas Cage playing a Charlie Kaufman character. Um, but yeah, uh, so I've seen several, but I've missed several of her films and same thing with Dustin Hoffman. I've seen, I would say I've seen three of his biggest, um, with now knocking Kramer versus Kramer out. Cause I've seen Kramer versus Kramer, seen the graduate and I've seen rain man, which are all huge films for him. Um, and I really think he's, he's super talented, but at the same time, there's always something about him that I just don't like the characters that he plays. I mean, rain man's the exception. I don't like Tom Cruise in that movie. Cause it's hard. How do you not like rain man? Like the, the guy is doing what he can do. Like he's, he's functioning at the best level he can function. But, um, both in The Graduate and in Kramer vs. Kramer, there are times where you're just like, you're just kind of a jerk, man. Like, stop doing that stuff. Um, but not that he, it's not Dustin Hoffman that I don't like, mind you. It's just the characters that he's playing I don't generally like. But he does an amazing job. Um, I love the connection he has with his son in Kramer vs. Kramer. Um, there, are, I love some of the sequences that the movie does to, like, to show the progression of things that I think are all spoiler-related, but... Um, the movie opens with, you see Meryl Streep packing a bag, and it's very clear she's getting ready to leave, and there's a, a very sad moment where she's saying goodbye to her son, or saying goodnight to her son, but he doesn't get that she's, like, saying goodbye, like, she's leaving, and, um, her husband Ted, uh, which is Dustin Hoffman, when he comes home is completely taken, uh, by surprise, but not, which we kind of get the vibe that he, he, they have had problems in the past, but usually... She comes back. Yeah, I didn't feel like he thought this was going to be, like, permanent. Yeah, um, and and he didn't do anything wrong. Like, I, I would say neither party is a villain. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying he's not, I'm not saying he's innocent, but it's not, he doesn't beat her, he's not an yeah. alcoholic. It's not like they made this some, both, or one or the other is the villain. Where you can she, just, yeah. Yeah, he has prevented her from being anything more than a housewife is the what we're basically told and that was enough to make her unhappy and she needed to find happiness and it's hard to fault somebody for if you're depressed looking for to not be depressed um it it, i mean obviously there you can side like she left her son or whatever um but she leaves him and the son and that's clearly not common because even when she's leaving he's like what about billy like he looks perplexed as like what do you expect me to do without you here um and i think anything else would technically constitute a spoiler but i i ended up really liking this movie um i've heard a lot of things about this film i didn't i meant to do some research uh we ended up having a later night than i thought before we got to the podcast um but i wanted i've heard like that dustin hoffman was a complete asshole to meryl streep uh filming this like he was being in method like almost where he was treating her like it was his ex-wife which i found really shocking because i don't feel like that's ever in the movie like i don't feel like there's maybe one or two moments in the movie where there's tension between them and for the most part they're both pretty civil about everything like like some of the harshest things that are are levied at at the other is by the lawyers not by them personally you know um there's, I think, maybe two scenes in the movie where there's a lot of tension between them. Because even when she leaves him, there's only tension for a few moments. It's more like desperation from him than it is, like, hatred, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, 
don't leave. Don't do this to me. It's not as much, um, you know, like I hate you. And there, there is a scene way later in the film where there's definitely a lot more of that tension. But like, if if the what I remember hearing is true, I don't understand what he was going for because that's not the characters. Like they're not at each other's throats in this movie. Like you would have, I like I expected going into this. Yeah. But, um, okay, I think that is where we need to get to spoilers. Corey? Guys, go check out Kramer vs. Kramer if you would like. Um, otherwise, from here forward, we are probably, we're going to spoil this movie for you. You've been warned. Now, do you take notes when you uh, watch a movie? Um, it kind of depends. I usually know because I don't want to be distracted. I try to, like, put my phone down. I try to not do anything but watch the movie. Um, I So sometimes I'll, like, take some notes afterwards. So I kind of wanted to, like, kind of, you know, about what you said. I feel like I, f- I have a lot of feelings, but I feel <laughs> like it's an expectation for all women to be mothers and that when you become a mother that that's all that you are. And I feel like often we're we like when a woman introduces yourself I, herself i feel like it's always like oh yeah i'm so and so's mom and so and so's wife and blah 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 and blah 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 and then like 10 things down the line we get we might you know what i mean i just feel like there are so many expectations for that and i don't agree that she left her son but i can't imagine not even being able to work or to have anything for myself mhm I can't imagine not having any sense of independence and I can't think of any other way that she could have because she's obviously tried talking to him about it before. And I'm not saying that I condone her leaving her family, but I don't really see any other way. Cause it seems like it's been something that was talked about and nothing ever, never, you know, changed. Yeah. Um, I did a search, uh, while you were expressing that, um, <laughs> and... <Great. laughs> No, 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 not on that. On Corey talks too much. No, 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 not at all. Um, but I, I wanted to see if I could find something. I, I apparently recently in the uh, the Me Too movement, because um, Dustin Hoffman was. Uh, this article is from January third, um, and it says in the wake of sexual harassment allegations facing Dustin Hoffman, which I didn't, I don't remember hearing about. So I don't know if those allegations either. were dropped or if they just got buried by the worse allegations that all the other actors were getting. Um, that. Uh, Streep came out and asked about this, the filming of this movie and said that Hoffman actually slapped her during a scene. Um, and she says, you have to try to feel free, but I'm, and this is a, uh, deadline.com article. I don't know how reliable deadline.com is, but, um, I'm sure that I have inadvertently hurt people in physical scenes, but there's a certain amount of forgiveness in that. Uh, and on her first day on the set of Kramer vs. Kramer, Streep shot a physical scene with Hoffman. And on the first take, he slapped her and you see it in the movie. She said it was overstepping. Um, yeah, so I mean, if that's the if that's the only thing that happened, um, the stories that I'd heard made it sound like there was far more like consistent like day to day, like emotional abuse. But I can't I didn't see that on my uh, you know cursory search. But um, this movie's intense, and I do think uh, it shows the period of the time for sure. I'd like to think that there are less people who feel like women have to be the mother now like just the mother just the housewife that um i'd like to believe that i know there are definitely people that still out there who feel like that's the woman's place there's tons of memes that have existed with the making Make a, sandwich a sandwich or, and you want to yeah. like smack mm. <coughs> yeah it's so ridiculous i'm like 
okay. Um, anyway, and as as a father of a, a young girl, I definitely consider myself a feminist. Like, I don't know that I do enough to, to justify earning a title of feminist, but I'm definitely a proponent for women having equality and um, it being, you know, treated correctly. Because there was even a part that bugged me in Kramer vs. Kramer because he befriends um, his ex-wife's <laughs> friend. That. Yeah. Well, I love, I love that they become friends, but he's always a little too grabby, in my opinion. Like, oh, he see, puts his arm around her. I never um, felt like it was any... I felt all of those scenes, and they always, like, sat close and stuff, but I never uh-huh. felt like there was any attraction. I didn't feel like... I just felt like they were very comfortable with each other and that... I agree, mm-hmm. except for one part. Oh Jesus! And I don't. I, forget. I think he grabs her butt. Well, he. Pats oh, I think her he butt. pats her butt. But even there, yeah. I was like, it seemed a little odd. But at the same time, it didn't. I don't know. I guess because I I can see it one of two ways. One, if it's the way I initially read it, is that she's a woman in the kitchen and he pats her on the butt. And she has no problem with that, which is shocking because we he's called her a feminist earlier in the film or uh, he, he refers to the women's lib movement um, uh, and to his boss oh. to his boss in one of the worst scenes. Like not it's a good scene, but God, I hate him in that scene. <laughs> like yeah. I hate the boss in that scene. I hate him in that scene. Um, and um, but then I, I thought maybe it is him treating her like a guy friend. Like, you know, guys on sports teams slap each other on the butt. It was like, totally doing like football or baseball. Exactly. But I don't know. And my initial read was what a, what a pig. Um, but I – and all the time that they're talking and stuff, they're talking about – they I don't think that they talk about him because he's not seeing anybody. But he, no. like, talks with her about a professor that she's seeing. And then, mm-hmm. oh, when she's going to go back to her husband, there's yep. never, like – he yep. never is, like, taken aback or, like, upset about no. that. You know? I like, agree. And even the, the woman he does end up having the one-night stand with, <laughs> it's, it seems like the woman initiates all of that, right? Like, yeah. he doesn't ask her out. She just says – yes and he's like yes what she's like i will go to dinner with you and he's like well okay and then they end up at his place um <laughs> it looks like she was kind of initiating all of that which i kind of found interesting even this when he wakes up he's laying on her not her laying on him you know like that in many movies the guy is like the one laying and the girl's head is on his chest he's resting on her it almost seems like she's in control of that whole situation um you know, like taking advantage of a uh, single parent, you know, who just I, needs a little bit of a t- attention. Um, I think that so he gets that big account and mm-hmm. it's a big deal. And then his wife leaves. And then I think that it's very interesting because I I don't think that everyone understands or I don't even want to say that way, but. Like, if you don't have a really big and strong support system, how much that affects your life. And, like, he has to leave work early to go pick his son up. Or, you know, later on it comes out that he missed work because his son was sick. I mean, well, what else is he supposed to do? Yeah, I that when that, man, there's a few scenes I, like, I really want to get into. um, And that's that was one of them that was, like, when you hear how much he's done for his son because you don't get to see all of that like Mm-mm. we see a lot we see him do a lot for his son like we definitely see so much character growth between him and his son 
um, throughout the film. That's what I love the most about this is you get to see a man love being a parent who was indifferent to it before, you know. But um, I think that he just had like that. Oh, I'm the provider. Yeah, he was detached, if nothing else, right? Like, and it wasn't it wasn't out of spite. Like, his son had never done anything wrong. I I honestly think if we had met him before Joanna left, that he would have said, "I'm a good parent," mm-hmm. thinking, "I'm a good parent because I work and I provide. I do what I'm supposed to do." And for then my your mother family. can stay home with you. Yes, but when he has to take on the motherly duties, um, which is kind of a part of this film too. And that's kind of the interesting thing is I wonder if we were watching this in 1979, if we would feel shocked that a man's doing this where for me, it was kind of like watching someone learn how to play guitar for the first time. We're and like different. kind of bumbling. Yeah. Cause I am a parent. I've been up. I cook dinner almost every night. Like I am. And not because my wife can't cook. I get home first. It's only fair that I cook dinner. Like I'm home. Let's, you know, so we can eat at a reasonable time and that my daughter can get her homework done. Um, and you know, uh, I don't, I don't do the laundry very often, not because I can't, but that's a chore my wife prefers because her clothes have like, you know, got to do this on the gentle cycle and this has you to gotta be hung to dry. You got to hang those things to dry. No, yeah, I'll never she... be allowed to touch my laundry. I'm allowed, like, yeah, usually if I do laundry, it's either towels or, like, my own clothes Sucks. and leave her clothes separate. Oh. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, I'm capable of doing my laundry, and um, but that's usually her chore. Like, we split the duties. So watching him struggle with so many things was was kind of, like, shocking, but in a different way. You know, I think in 79, a man watching this might have been like, oh, I would never do these things, or I would be so lost if my wife left me, or whatever, where I'm watching it like wow, he's a fish out of water. Let's see if he can if he can swim. You know, like, can he make this happen? And I, I found it endearing. I found it um, kind of, like, good for you getting to learn what it's like to be a modern man, like, what it is now, like, where we are splitting the duties, or at least I hope more men are splitting the duties. Like, I have no shame in any of the things that I do because I want it to be equal. Like, I want us to be on the same footing. And... Honestly, I do think I'm a better cook. I won't lie. Like, I'm not saying she can't cook, but I think I'm a better cook. Um, <laughs> you know, not not at everything. There are dishes that I don't want to deal with that she's better at. and But I'd say I, I cook a bigger variety of food. Um, but, like, at the beginning of the movie, when she first leaves and they wake up, and the kid wakes up first, goes to the bathroom, you know, when oh, we see him wake up. Go ahead, and then I need to say he, something. Okay. Well, he's in full pajamas, right? And they recreate the scene two other times in the movie. This first time, uh, it's the time the the day after Joanna left. Kids in pajamas. The other two times, he's in his <laughs> underwear and a and a white t- like tank top, um, implying that nobody wears PJs now because they're they're men and they don't take time <laughs> to wear PJs. Um, but. Uh, so he wakes, he goes to pee, he goes to get his dad, wakes the dad up, dad's kind of freaking out, it's a little late, goes pee himself, they go uh, for breakfast, what's breakfast? French toast. And watching him try to make, like, when he's cracking the eggs in the cup, I'm like, what's he doing with the cup? <laughs> like, like, it was a measuring just, cup, I think, and then he was, like, folding no. the damn bread. Yeah, because he did. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Okay, I need to back up a little bit, because okay. anytime that anyone in this house uses the bathroom, they don't wash their damn hands. Oh, that was so <laughs> that mad. is so true. That might be a 1979 thing. Like Gross, it was unnecessary. Go wash your hands. 
and it's well the like, kid doesn't flush the toilet i no. think the second time like, i think the time when he thinks mom is still there he does flush the toilet but once it's just him and dad like, he straight up guys, does not flush the toilet gross and then they go right into the you know never do they wash the hands either the dad or the son and oh, they and they go right into making French toast. Yeah. And his hands are all up in the eggs. Like, all up in the eggs. And <laughs> like, the bread, they're, like, mushing it down. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't add any vanilla or sugar either, which maybe people don't. But I've always made French toast with a little bit of vanilla in my uh, egg, egg wash. Um, I don't know if that's just me. Or at least cinnamon. Um, but, yeah. Uh, Horrible-looking French toast. And the eggshell breaks in it. And the kid's like, they're shelling. It's like, it makes it crunchy. <laughs> You like your friends so crunchy. And it's supposed to be uh, in pieces. <laughs> I don't remember what. Which, yeah, I don't like it in pieces. Um, but th- what I found was really telling in that moment. He burns his hand. And he says, G.D. Her. Like, and he, you can see he's shocked that he says her. You know, he was mad about what just happened. But he's m- blaming her for what just happened. Like, I wouldn't be making breakfast if she hadn't left. I would be, you know, just sleeping or getting ready to eat breakfast had you not left and i thought that was a really really cool way of introducing what he was going through because he'd been trying to play it off you know everything's good because he's trying to be strong for billy um and throughout i mean there's so many scenes in this movie where they go they get into fights and they're arguing um i want to talk about the part where it, this is a little ahead, but where he really wants to keep custody of Billy and his mm-hmm. um, lawyer says, well, I find in situations like this, making a list is helpful. And I feel like, well, I feel like he was definitely trying to talk him out of pursuing it because the mother will probably win. Why bother? Mm-hmm. And he's writing down his pros and cons and he can't come up with any pros, but he has quite a few cons. I remember one was like, no social life. I yeah. can't remember the rest of them, but it made me really and, sad he couldn't think of positive things. Well, I think they oh, did no. that. Um, he gets up and hugs him, like, right after that. Mm-hmm. Like, something happens where he ends up interacting with the kid, and I think that's the point. It's like, yes, there are cons to being a parent. There's a cons to being a single parent, for sure, but he loves that kid. Like, there's... By the end of this movie, there is not a question in me or the kid... And one of the scenes that I thought was really great was when they get into a fight, when the kid gets the freaking ice cream, when he's refusing to eat the Salisbury steak. Yeah. And that whole sequence, how it plays out, where the kid gets the chair and moves the chair to the refrigerator. He's like, you better not grab that ice cream. And it's like, like, he oh, just he's keeps... trying you. <laughs> he keeps trying, right? Like, you better not eat... Do not put that in your mouth. And then he does, and he doesn't... I thought he was going to spank him or something, and he doesn't go that far. He does grab him a little harsh, but not... Not he doesn't shake him or hit him. He picks him up and carries him to his room, tosses him on the bed. I hate you. I hate you too. <laughs> and it's really it's tough. But then like the next morning when the kid apologizes and the dad apologizes, I I love that sequence um, because that's mm-hmm. it's real life, man. Sometimes you do feel like so mad, and the kid knew he was trying his dad because he wants his mom. And um, I think there's that. There's a little bit of spite towards the dad. Like, you haven't been this guy. Why do I have to believe you're this guy now, you know? Like, why do I have to buy in that you are going to take care of me? You've not taken care of me for my first six or seven years of life. Like, um, and that that fight is huge to me. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of all the different, like, little things. Because 
um, at the end of the movie, we see them make French toast, and they're making French toast way better. Like, he's got a bowl. They're way more organized. The kid's whisking like better. Little shells. <laughs> it, it, it just shows how far they've come, right? Like, if we compare just those two scenes, it's night and day different. He has become a I full parent. like that they have, like, a little breakfast routine, too, though, because they, like, both sit at the mm-hmm. table, and they're both... I think he's reading a comic or something. In a yeah, yeah, the paper, donuts. And they're... The Edmonton donuts. Oh, I love those donuts. I'm such a fat kid. But <laughs> <laughs> I was like, dang! I haven't had those donuts in about ten years, but my dad used to buy them when we went grocery shopping. But... And I was like, I need some donuts. Um, But... I just love that. And they're like reaching over each other and it's like, seems kind of synchronized. I don't know. It does. No. And even how they're, they're both looking like towards the window, like they're not facing each other. Like he's purposely moved his chair. So they're sitting kind of side by side at a round table (laughs) and he's got his feet up on the chair. Like, yeah, I love that scene too. Um, even though it does show very bachelor because they're eating like a donut, like they're not making breakfast. They're not eating cereal. (laughs) They're not eating healthy. (laughs) It's like donuts and milk. Um, you, but you know. when the kid falls and gets hurt, um, oh man, that stressed me out. Like him running, he runs city. the kid to the ER. Yeah, and he's running through traffic in New York City. Yeah, it New it's York, insane. Right? I've just assumed. Yes. Okay, I and they probably said that a million times, but he's just like running through traffic and like throwing his arm up, like "Don't hit me," and yelling at somebody. Where's the emergency room? Um when yeah that that scene was tough and the stitches and him being like spastic but also being strong for his son uh i really like that um when the kid apologizes and then uh the kid asks the dad mommy left because of me and him taking like full responsibility for joanna like i made mommy's unhappy and like i just i thought that scene was so important I, that is something that I will, that I really liked about his character is we do see him like develop, he develops patience and Mm -hmm. he sees that he's wrong. And even during the, um, the proceeding or whatever, he, they're like trying to assassinate her, like character assassinate her as a mother, like, oh, you're blah, 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 blah. And he's like, she's like feeling bad and like kind of nodding, like, yeah, you're right. And he's like shaking his head no and stuff. And I appreciate that he, he doesn't ever talk badly about her either to their son. No. And the lawyer, no, never. He's really good about that. And then the lawyer, um, when the lawyer comes back from questioning, he's like, do you have to be so harsh? Like he's upset with the tactics the lawyers laid out. And Joanna does seem equally upset when the lawyer throws the you, your son got hurt and yeah. you know blah blah. He she, she seems after him in the elevator. Yeah, and she tries to apologize, and he rightfully so at that point is kind of he knows he's losing, and he's he does not and it's not. At first, I think the fighting of the custody was like spiteful. Like, how dare you try to take him from me? Like when he throws the wine glass in the in the that diner or whatever they're at, like uh. he's really pissed. That part was tense, but I think at that point, um, it's no longer spite, it's fear. Like, he's afraid of losing Billy, um, and not getting to do what he does every day. And, um, I think the funniest scene, I'm sorry we're jumping around so much, but I just, like, I just, what we do here, um, when the girl walks out naked and Billy catches her, (laughs) and they have the most... (laughs) No, so nonchalant, hey... (laughs) Yeah, do you like fried chicken? (laughs) It's like 7 o'clock in the morning. And she's straight up like, yeah, I do. (laughs) 
I think I met your son, Ted. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> love that. That's how it ends. Yeah, where do you so think he was going to be? Cheese and rice. Put um, some clothes on. Yeah, I, and I mean, for him not catching that before she walked out, too. But um, <laughs> then uh, I think the last thing I want to discuss. I think I might have actually hit everything I wanted to discuss. Um, oh, no, I didn't. Uh, Ted getting this, the new job. Um, when he gets fired from his old job and he, like, forces his way into the new job with, like, in a very friendly sort of way, but, like, you know, they don't, they keep trying to push him off and he knows he needs a job before the court date. And so he's being very, very pushy, but also, uh, very assertive. You know what I mean? Like, he's not, um, he's not rude to the other guys, but he is like, look, this is me. You know, I'm taking a pay cut. You know, I can do the work. It's now or never. This is a one-time offer. I just loved the Wait confidence that he had. Yeah. 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 Um, I and really like that scene a whole lot. I liked a lot that, like, after he gets that job, he takes his son up to his building in his office, and he's so proud to show him. Like... He is. He's yeah. He's never, like, he's never mad. He took almost a $5,000 pay cut in 1979, guys. <laughs> um, that I, yeah. Ugh, I want to know how much that equates to now, but... I just, and I, I, I get the vibe, though, that, um, like, that this job is going to be better for him as a parent. Oh. You know, like, that they're going to, like, respect that he has a kid and that it's okay that he's a single parent. Where the other job was, like, so 100% against him keeping, the, the boss told him to give his kid away. Like, give it to a relative. Like. Yeah. Send like, your away. Um. um yeah. Just awful. Uh, I guess the last thing we should talk about is the ending, though. Um, sh- she wins the court case, and she's coming to pick up Billy, and she has a change of heart, right? Yeah, I love that she calls him down, and he comes down in his fancy little elevator, and she can't do it. And she wants to go up and talk I, to him. I love the line. She says that, I woke up and... Oh started thinking Billy's coming home and realized that it's not his home, like that he is home right here. And I don't like it, and I do like it. Like, it's the ending I think we want because we've come to love the relationship between Ted and Billy. Mm-hmm. But I don't like the idea, like, is she going to leave him permanently? Is she going to stay in New York? Um, what does that mean? Like, how involved is she going to be? Because I, I really liked... I wish they would have been able to come up with, like, split custody where they both have them. Like, every other week, Billy stays with... You know, Billy stays with Dad. Billy stays with Mom. And I like that idea, which... I don't know if that existed in 79. Maybe that's a more modern idea. Because, like, I, I know several friends who have gone through divorces. And that's what they end up doing is, like, totally split custody. Where it's not every other weekend and once a, on Thursday night for dinner kind of thing, you know, like that's, it just doesn't seem like enough time to be a, an invested parent, you know? Um, and if both parents are civil, there's no reason the split custody couldn't work. But I, I mean, I still, I'm glad Ted gets to keep Billy cause he clearly wants that, but I don't like that she loses Billy either because I don't think she deserves to lose Billy. Like she may have left him and I agree with that, but she left because she felt trapped and she kind of was like unintentionally. Like, I don't think Ted did it with malice in his heart, but he was being a 1979 male figure who didn't allow her to have any individuality. And 
I don't think that's fair. So I don't fault her. And they're I, going back a little bit when they're in the trial and um, they bring up that it wouldn't be worth the babysitter for her to work, how much she would bring home. And then we end up finding out that she's making like, I think like $3,000 more than him. 3, I think she's more. making 31 a year and he's yeah. making like 28. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Um, and she's established residency in New York, and that's. I hope she doesn't leave. I didn't. Like we don't get that. I. But. And while I was watching it, I felt like it was just going to be reversed. Like he was going to have him full time, and she would have him the weekends or the night. Yeah. And I hope also that that's not the case. But I'm. I was glad that they weren't both doing it just to, out of spite, like you said. Yeah. Like, they truly and love it, him and want to be with him. It would have been easy to have them get back together. Because he has changed. I think he'd be more accepting of her. But I don't think that's realistic. Because I don't think she would want to go back to him. Because even though he has changed and we have seen it, she hasn't seen it to that degree, you know? like. And she's involved with someone else. That's true. That's true. That's right. She does have someone else. And so I'm glad they didn't force that because that would have felt inorganic. Um, and I don't think he necessarily – like, I think he still loves her. I think you see that. Like, I think he cares about her as a person. But I don't think he necessarily wants her back because I think he still feels hurt and betrayed by her. And I don't know if that's fair because he has also accepted that he was to blame for part of it. But, it, you know, I think he's a reasonable enough guy throughout the film that she could have maybe had a conversation with him about it and maybe could have convinced him without leaving him. So I think, like, leaving says something else. It's, you're not willing to see if it's a fixable solution you want a new you want a new situation and i don't think that's necessarily wrong mind you but like i could see him not wanting to take her back because of that action mm-hmm. well also when you're gone for that long it's not like she went away to her mom's for a weekend yeah a lot of time passes in this movie it's like, it's a, like a year months, and a half I think. yeah yeah um well that is our review of kramer versus kramer i think unless you have something else that i'm rushing past no um, I, I give this a must-see. I, I really love this movie, actually. And I, I hope Dustin Hoffman's sexual harassment allegations aren't severe or aren't... Like, I hope I don't have to hate him um, because I generally find him to be a really people. good actor. <laughs> uh, I mean, I will gladly boycott if, if, if he's done something horrific. Oh, of course. I, again, I have not heard that, but I really did enjoy this movie. Um, I hope... I hope some of the myths about him mistreating Meryl Streep are not true because she was terrific in this as well. Um, the, her crying on the stand is so amazing to me. Like, it, was it is so – it's so real though. She is yeah. so devastated and just – it's such a nuance. That's one of the things I like about her. Like, other actresses are like – they're bawling and they're screaming and like, I just love my son. That's and me. She's, <laughs> I don't she, I'm not kidding when I say ugly cry. She's so nuanced with the, you know, you see all the despair and all the fear and all the regret, and she doesn't have to say anything. It's just there. Like, you see exactly what she's going through without her having to read off a line or be over the top. It's so subtle and so real and so human. Um, it's, oh, she's so terrific. And, and we know it. That's, I don't think she should ever win another Oscar. I think she should just be put in like a hall of fame of Oscars because <laughs> she's always great. Like even in bad movies, she's terrific. And this is just a really great example of how awesome she can be. Um, uh, what, what do you give the movie Corey? 
I'm out. No, I'm kidding. Um, I always okay. have a hard time with this. I, mm, I always get stuck between two, so I always have mm-hmm. to read them every time that I, every oh, yeah, time yeah. that I read a movie. And I think I'm gonna go with must see film. Okay. I feel like for the uh, time period, it's revolutionary, and I definitely think it's a showcase mm. of talent. But, um, I think that it, I don't know if like younger audiences, because we're so old, could appreciate what it was for the time period maybe yeah if you don't connect with the uh i I think a little bit of uh front loading would be a good idea like let people know what it was like back then what the expectations were of a woman in 1979 and and while at that time women were getting more and more freedom it wasn't still the standard like that was kind of it was looked at as like an unusual thing if a woman was working and had a kid you know like it wasn't the norm um yeah i can definitely see that some of the the structure being lost like well why wouldn't he let her have a job or like why didn't she just get a job like things like that coming out well now we have to be two income households but (laughs) yeah yeah i want to say i'm kidding but i'm not (laughs) um okay let's look at uh well not just next episode but next month our next month category for April of 2018, we are doing 80s movies. 80s movies that we have not seen, which yeah. is a... We're only going to see four, and so there's still going to be tons of 80s movies that I've never seen. Um, but we're starting with one that we had on a list earlier, and then we got we ended up pushing it back and pushing it back, and I cannot wait to see it. Uh, next week, for our next episode, we're going to be watching Paris, Texas. Um, a film that I've heard so much about in the last year uh, because Harry Dean Stanton's passing. Um, this is considered to be like his like main movie, his best movie. It's from 1984. Um, it stars Harry Dean Stanton and Natasha Kinski. Um, oh, and Dean Stockwell. Oh, I don't know if you like Quantum Leap, but I, I love, love Quantum, Quantum Leap. Leap. That and, would be um, American. But I've heard so many good things about this movie. I'm very excited about watching it. It has a 8.1 IMDb user score. Does not have a Metacritic score. Um, I am not sure just yet. I'm going to find out this here momentarily. This is a very eclectic mix of movies. I have this on Criterion. Oh, very nice. It was one of those. Uh, you've, I've never seen it. You've not seen it? Still okay, good, 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 good. So this one is Corey and I have not seen uh, Paris, Texas. It is, again, from 1984 and fits our theme of April, which is 80 movies, 80s movies that we've not seen, which, again, we're only going to get four of them out of the way. So this is a topic that could definitely come back and we could do this with almost any decade because there's always a ton of movies that we've not seen inside any decade. But um, because of Harry Dean Stanton's passing, this movie has been high on my list for a long time and why I chose it for uh, our first 80s film that we're going to watch. I'm checking to see if it's currently streaming on anything. Um, it does not, it looks like it's included with Filmstruck because of, uh, the Criterion Collection. Um, but it is, uh, available to rent from Amazon and iTunes for just four bucks. Um, but that looks like it. Uh, so not an easy film to see. Uh, you could do the free trial of Filmstruck and get the Criterion Collection with it, um, to watch it, which I may be doing. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, highly, highly regarded film. I hear it's a masterpiece for Harry Dean Stanton, like just perfectly cast and really allows him to shine. So I'm excited about seeing it. It is a little bit long. Um, if I'm not mistaken, it was two hours and some change. Um, so be ready for that. Make sure you plan accordingly. If you 145 minutes is the exact number. Um, 
So if you uh, watch it before we do our episode, you can email us at contact at BerkReviews.com. That's contact at BerkReviews.com and let us know what you think. Um, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram and Letterboxd at BerkReviews, B-E-R-K Reviews. And Corey? At Corey R Star, two R's on the end. And she is on Letterboxd, but she doesn't <laughs> no, use it. No, I don't worse. know why. <laughs> because It's such a useful tool. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> Letterboxd really should sponsor this podcast. I promote you to everybody. But um, he even made his students sign up for accounts. Come on, guys. I did. I did. Come on. Uh, at least uh, like a hundred kids have signed up to Letterboxd because of me. And one uses it regularly. I just saw she she just watched uh, Happy Death Day and did not like it as much as I did. But oh. um, she only gave it two and a half stars. I think I gave it four. Um, oh, she... I really liked that movie. Oh no, I'm wrong. I gave it four and a half stars. I lo- I had a blast with that movie. Um, I thought the lead actress was so great in that film, but uh, I digress. Let's wrap this up. So um, you can reach out to us on those in- on the social medias. Uh, please read my reviews at BerkReviews.com. Sometimes Corey will write something. Sometimes Mike does. Uh, we also have some other podcasts that you can subscribe to. If you're subscribed to this one, you're also subscribed to our top five movies. Um, but we have the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. Our second episode will be coming out uh, this weekend. Actually, it should already be out if you're hearing this podcast. Um, as uh, Matt and I have watched, I think we saw six movies Holy together um, in March. So we'll be talking about all six. Basically, if it was a big release, we managed to see it. Uh, that includes Isle of Dogs, Pacific Rim 2, Ready Player One, Red Sparrow, Tomb Raider. And I'm going to forget one. There's one more in there. I can't remember what it is. Annihilation? Crap. Uh, no, that was last month. Oh, shoot. Um, yep. It's in there, but maybe it was five. Maybe it's just five. It can't be five. There's another one. Red Sparrow, Isle of Dogs, Pacific Rim 2, Ready Player One, Tomb Raider. What am I forgetting? Thoroughbreds. I don't think he got to see Thoroughbreds. I don't think it came near him. Just throwing up. There's another movie in there that I'm not thinking of, but whatever it is. um, It's a surprise. Man, what is it? You're going to remember as soon as we're done recording. I will. Exactly. (laughs) But nonetheless, uh, we'll be reviewing those films. You can subscribe to our Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast there. Um... I think that's everything. We'll be back next week with our review of Paris, Texas. Until next time. Bye. Keep watching movies, everyone. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BerkReviews.com. <laughs>